On today's episode of Based on a True Story, we're going to compare history with the 2004 movie, Troy. Our movie today was directed by Wolfgang Peterson and is headlined by a cast of Brad Pitt, Eric Bana, and Orlando Bloom. The screenplay was written by David Benioff, who, as of this recording, is currently the co-creator and showrunner for Game of Thrones. Of course, Troy was released long before Game of Thrones. David based Troy on the Iliad. That's the poem written by Homer somewhere in the 8th or 9th century BCE. Now, if you're like me and have slept a couple times since history class, or maybe it's been a while since you've seen the movie, let's get a quick synopsis. The film tells the tale of a Trojan prince named Paris, who convinces the beautiful queen of Sparta named Helen to leave her husband and return to Troy with him. That doesn't make the Spartan king very happy, so he and his brother bring their massive armies to confront the Trojans and begin what we now know as the Trojan War. On one side are the Trojans, a large city-state that has been around for thousands of years. On the other side is a united Greek nation with an army that rivals any seen during the time. Along the way, there's love, there's violence, and there's a lot of blood and gore. There's also a wooden horse, the Trojan horse, that's worked its way into the legends. Watching these two ancient powers battle it out might look good on the big screen, but did it actually happen? I'm Dan Lefebvre, and this is Based on a True Story. Before starting our story today, there's two things we need to do. If you're a longtime listener, you already know what those are, but if you're new, welcome. The first thing we need to do is to set up our game, Two Truths and a Lie. Here's how it works. I'm about to give you three little facts. Two of those facts are true, and one of them, well, one of them is an all-out lie. And your task throughout this episode is to find out which one is a lie. Are you ready? Okay, here they are. Number one, the Trojan horse was Achilles' idea. Number two, Helen of Troy was from Sparta before going to Troy with Paris. Number three, the great Trojan warrior named Hector was killed by Achilles. Got him? Okay, now as you're listening to our story today, your challenge is to find the two facts scattered somewhere throughout the episode, and then by a simple process of elimination, you'll be able to find out which one is the lie. And of course, we'll do a recap at the end of the episode to see how well you did. Now, the last thing we need to do before getting to our story today is to find out what we'll be covering next week over on the producer's feed, and that would be Clear and Present Danger. That's the 1994 action film based on the Tom Clancy novel of the same name. It stars Harrison Ford as CIA analyst Jack Ryan, one of the many movies with that character, including one that we've actually already looked at on this podcast, The Hunt for Red October. Except in that movie, it's Alec Baldwin playing the character of Jack Ryan instead of Harrison Ford, but you get the idea. Now, if you want to get access to the producer's feed so you can listen to that when it's released, all you have to do is to sign up to support the show for, well, whatever you want. Really, it's whatever you feel it's worth. It's a pay-what-you-want model to get access to hours and hours of past bonus content, 
and all the future mini-sodes and bonus episodes as they are released. It's just my way of saying thank you for helping me pay the bills around here and keep the podcast going for another episode. You can get access to that or learn more over at basedonatruestorypodcast.com slash support. Once again, that's basedonatruestorypodcast.com slash support. All right, now let's begin our dive into the true story behind the movie, Troy. Our movie today opens on a map of ancient Greece. We see a date. Well, sort of. The text simply says 3,200 years ago. Then, the text description goes on to say that after decades of warfare, the king of Mycenae, a man named Agamemnon, has forced the kingdoms of Greece into a loose alliance. Only one remains unconquered. That would be Thessaly. We find out through another paragraph that Agamemnon's brother is the king of Sparta. His name is Menelaus. And according to this text in the movie, Menelaus is tired of battle and wants to make peace with Troy, who, in turn, is the most powerful rival to the fledgling Greek nation. The next bit of text explains that the Greek army has one of the greatest warriors ever born, Achilles. But to complicate matters even more, Achilles doesn't like Agamemnon, so that is putting a strain on the fragile alliance between Greek nations that Agamemnon has managed to achieve. And right away, we're given some of the main characters and locations that, well, leads us into a quick blanket discussion about this entire story. You see, the truth is, we simply just don't know 100% for sure without a shadow of a doubt how much of this happened. By that, what I mean is that there are definitely tales of Agamemnon. There are stories of a great warrior named Achilles who, like the movie says here, was not a big fan of Agamemnon. However, it's worth pointing out up front here that just because there were real stories of these characters in history doesn't necessarily mean that the characters were real. A good way to think of this entire story of the Trojan War and the characters involved is sort of like the story of King Arthur and Merlin, or the story of Mulan, or the story of, well, any other legend that took place thousands and thousands of years ago who lives on through those stories. Was there a real person at the center of those stories? Have the stories been changed from generation to generation throughout the millennia to what we know today? Maybe, and almost certainly. Does that mean the historical story of Troy is completely fictional? That's possible, but not necessarily. For example, in the 1700s, archaeologists discovered the ruins of the ancient city of Mycenae. Then, in 1876, a German archaeologist named Henrik Schliemann found a gold mask at the site that he claimed to be the mask of Agamemnon. But his find was immediately questioned with some suggesting he himself had it manufactured and snuck it into the dig site to quote-unquote discover it. Although, I guess in all fairness, at least we know based on the ruins that Mycenae existed, while we don't even know if Camelot was a real place, yet. So, maybe comparing this story to that of King Arthur is not completely valid, but 
you get the idea. My point in mentioning those stories is that while the locations were real, when it comes to the characters and most of the details of the story, we're going to have to be okay with a lot of unknowns. For that reason, there's plenty of people today who will dismiss the entire thing as fiction. And that's okay. Although it is worth pointing out that it was also Henrik Schliemann who discovered the city we now believe to be Troy. Up until the 1870s, everyone believed the story of Troy was purely legend. Then it was Henrik who discovered the ancient ruins of the city we believe to be Troy. But we'll chat a bit more about that here in a little while. To complicate matters even more, there's numerous versions of the story that have been passed down from generation to generation. But for the rest of us, in order to continue this episode, we'll have to place some faith that the ancient writers of history were not leading us astray. And that's why, throughout this episode, we will assume the legends are true. Even if it's just for a moment, let's try to believe the stories recounted by Homer and other writers in history as if they were talking about real people, real events, and told the true tales of the heroes and villains of their day. After all, for all we know, maybe they were doing exactly that. The weather is getting nicer, which means now is the perfect time to plan ahead for summer fun. Personally, I'm hoping to be able to visit my family this summer, and that means booking flights as soon as possible before the prices go up. And now you can help ensure your money is there when you need it with today's sponsor, Earn In. Just download the Earn In app, verify your paycheck, and watch your earnings tick up as you work. Access up to $100 a day and up to $750 per pay period so you can start making your summer plans now. It's free and easy to get started. Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in True Story under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. True Story under podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Thanks, Earn In. With all of that said, then according to the legends, yes, Agamemnon was a real person. The same goes for the character the movie says was his brother, Menelaus. But the movie doesn't really mention why the two brothers ended up leading different countries. Basically, the two brothers were born to a rope and her husband, Atreus, who was the king of Mycenae. Then, Atreus was murdered by his nephew, which left the two princes fearing for their own lives. They both fled Mycenae and sought refuge in Sparta. They lived with the king there for some time, and the two brothers ended up marrying two sisters, the daughters of the king of Sparta. So, Agamemnon married Clytemnestra, while Menelaus married Helen. Then, as you can probably guess, as the older of the two brothers, it was Agamemnon who returned to Mycenae and overthrew the ruler there to regain his father's kingdom. On the other hand, Menelaus stayed in Sparta where he became a king there. 
And not to get too far ahead of our story, but if you've seen the film, then you know one of the pivotal plot points to the movie is that Menelaus' wife, Helen, goes to Troy to be with Paris. She's played by Diane Kruger, while Paris is played by Orlando Bloom. Well, many historians believe that Helen's sister, Clytemnestra, must not have liked her husband either because she's believed to have killed Agamemnon. Or maybe it was that her lover killed him. In either way, the fact that she had a lover and there was a death wish for Agamemnon, it would really seem that the two daughters of the king of Sparta didn't seem to like their husbands. Oh, and as a quick side note, when I say a king, when referring to Sparta, that's because there's many historians who believe the state of Sparta had co-rulers, two kings who ruled the state during times of war and then turned it over to a senate during times of peace. So there wasn't just one king. Speaking of ancient states, another that we see mentioned in the movie's introduction is Thessaly. That's a region in central Greece, and it still has that name to this day. Although, around the timeline of our story today, which historians refer to as the Mycenaean period of ancient Greece, what we know of today as Thessaly was known as Aeolia. Although, to be fair, when trying to date things so long ago, sometimes there's going to be a range And in this case, we're not even sure if the Trojan War took place in the 12th or 13th centuries, or even if it happened at all, as I mentioned earlier. Another mention in the introductory text is of the character of Achilles. If there's one character you've heard of in the story today, it's probably Achilles. And it's probably because you're familiar with your Achilles heel, which is also called the Achilles tendon. That's the tendon along the back of your leg that connects your calf muscles to your heel bone. The movie never mentions this at all, but according to some Greek legends, Achilles was no mere man. His mother, Thetis, was a goddess of the sea who wished to bestow immortality on her son. She did this through the favor of the gods by dipping Achilles in the river Styx, something that was believed to give whomever bathed in its waters invulnerability. But she had to hold the baby somewhere, so she held Achilles by his heel, meaning that that was the one place on his body that was not covered by the water, thereby making that the one place on his body that was vulnerable. Or, at least, that's how the story goes. Going back to the movie, the next major plot point is one we've already mentioned briefly. We see it happen when Prince Hector and his brother Paris are guests of Agamemnon and Menelaus in Sparta. They're friendly during their visit, but Paris gets a little too friendly with Menelaus's wife, Helen. Then, on the boat ride home, Paris shows Hector what he's done. Helen's going back to Troy with them. Furious, Hector is put between a rock and a hard place. Helen is already on the boat. The Greeks will be furious and use this as an act of war. He decides to continue sailing to Troy, and the reason for the great battle is set. Of course, the details are highly fictionalized, but in general, you could say that the gist of those plot points are, well, as accurate as you can expect them to be in a story like this. Although, one key difference that's worth pointing out was that Hector did not go to Sparta. It was Paris alone who went there. Well, not alone. He led a delegation to Sparta. You get the idea. But regardless, that was where he met Helen, fell in love with her, and then convinced Helen to leave her husband and return to Troy with him. And that's why 
Both in the movie and throughout history, she became known as Helen of Troy. All the legends tell of her beauty as something renowned to all the known world. So, when she left with Paris to go back to Troy, the Greeks reacted exactly like we see in the movie. Well, maybe not exactly. Again, the movie is highly dramatized, but again, you get the idea. They were upset that Helen seemingly disappeared with the Trojans. For all they knew, she was abducted by them. And so, they launched an attack in retaliation. As you can tell, the movie gets the legends pretty close, in an overall sort of way. However, it's tough to separate legend from truth here because there's so much that we just don't know. Many historians would tell you, though, that while Helen was most likely a real person, she probably was not the sole cause for the war between Greece and Troy. The catch here is that we're not really sure what would have been the cause for the war. Maybe there wasn't a single cause for the war at all. Maybe it was a mixture of things and Helen was kind of the final straw when she went from Greece to Troy. Or maybe it was something the movie hints at, a collection of Greek city-states under the unification of Agamemnon trying to add yet another one to the mix, to expand the kingdom, as it were. Regardless of what that reason was, though, we end up with a similar result, Greece on the beaches of Troy. Oh, and for a bit of geographical context, the location of the real city of Troy is believed to be in modern-day Turkey on the northwest shore. So, that would be east of Greece across the Mediterranean Sea. We talked a little bit about this earlier, but the archaeological site today is known as Hisarlik, and many believe it to be the city in the legend of Troy. There's evidence of the city that was inhabited for some 4,000 years or so, and that its demise came by way of being burned and destroyed. Although, there are some 13 different cities found at the archaeological site, historians believe that when one city was destroyed, a new one was built on the site of the last city. So, which of them was the legendary city of Troy? Well, all of them, but I'm talking about the, the timeline. And that is a very good question. Maybe it was none of them at all. Well, we'll never really know for sure which, if any, of the archaeological sites were the city of Troy from the legend. Probably the most likely one would be the site called Troy 7A. That's roughly a 200,000 square meter layer of the city of Troy that archaeologists believe was built on top of the site of the previous city. It was also Troy, but a previous generation. After that was destroyed by an earthquake. Rough estimates for the population of the city were around five to 10,000 people, which was quite large for a city at the time. Oh, and that time would have been between 1300 and 950 BCE, which would date the city of Troy 7A, that site, as being during the Greek Mycenaean era, during the Bronze Age. So the timing seems to line up with the legends. And it would have been an impressive city for that time, too. Troy 7A was said to have had walls that were 30 feet tall, or about 9 meters. The remains of a single tower measured 60 feet by 60 feet at its base, or about 18 by 18 meters. And it's probably worth pointing out that in some versions of the story, the outer defenses of the real Troy was 
said to have been deep trenches. And then once you got past those, then you'd have to get past the massive walls. So if those versions of the story are correct, it's not like you could walk right up to the walls like we see in the movie. Going back to the movie's timeline now, we see the great war between the Greeks and Trojans begin. It starts with Orlando Bloom's version of Paris challenging Brendan Gleeson's version of Menelaus to a fight. He's trying to end the war before it even begins with a one-on-one fight. But Menelaus is a much better fighter. Paris is soon beaten and crawls to his brother's feet. It's a move that everyone sees as cowardly. But nonetheless, Eric Bana's version of the great warrior Hector doesn't want to see his brother die. So he tells Menelaus that the fight is over. Menelaus doesn't listen and tries to strike at Paris. In a swift move, Hector pulls his sword and kills Menelaus. According to the legends, that is not how it happened. Even though the one-on-one battle we see in the movie was described by Homer in the Iliad, it was not Hector who came to Paris' rescue. Instead, after Menelaus had beaten Paris, it was the goddess of love, Aphrodite, who spirited Paris away to safety inside the walls of Troy. So the key point of difference there would be that even though Paris survived both versions of the story, both in the movie and in the Iliad, so too did Menelaus. That means he was involved in the war a lot more than he was in the movie, since he died right away in the film. Speaking of which, going back to the movie's timeline now, after seeing his brother's death, Agamemnon is furious. The Greeks attack in full force, but they are no match for the defenses of the Trojans. They're driven back through heavy losses from a combination of the archers on the walls above and Hector's army on the ground. But the Trojans don't completely rout the Greeks thanks to the Greek archers who defend the beaches. The next day, the Trojans decide to attack the Greeks. This time, the Greeks manage to fend off the Trojans. They seem to be at a stalemate for the time being. This brings up a good point that I think is worth pointing out because the overall structure of how the movie portrays the war is a bit off. If we are to believe the movie, the Trojan War took place over the course of a couple weeks. 17 days, to be a little more precise. However, according to Homer's Iliad, the war took 10 years. During most of that time, the city of Troy was under siege by the Greeks. So that sort of stalemate that the movie shows was true, but on a much grander scale than what we see in the film. And, well, that sort of gives you an idea of how historically accurate the back and forth that we see in the movie would be as well. The Greeks attack, the Trojans defend, the Trojans attack, the Greeks defend, and so on. According to the movie, though, a major plot point shows how the stalemate ends between the two opposing forces. And it's another one-on-one battle. This time, it's between the two greatest warriors, Eric Bana's version of Hector and Brad Pitt's version of Achilles. In a surprise to the Greeks, Hector deals a fatal blow to Achilles by slicing his neck. Bleeding out on the ground, Hector takes off his helmet to find out it's not Achilles at all. It's Achilles' cousin, Patroclus. Back at the Greek camp, Achilles learns of his cousin's death. Even Achilles' men thought that the man that they were following to battle was Achilles. He wore Achilles' armor. He wore his helmet. He even moved like Achilles. 
but he couldn't fight like Achilles. Hector defeated him and in the process managed to drive the real Achilles into a blind rage. I mean, the real Achilles according to the movie, not Patroclus. That is sort of how it happened, but there's a few key differences that are worth pointing out. For one, Patroclus was not related to Achilles. He was not his younger cousin like we see in the movie. He was merely a good friend to Achilles, and he was older than Achilles. Although, the basic gist of how Achilles did not like Agamemnon and didn't want to be in the fight up until Patroclus was killed was fairly accurate, at least according to the Iliad's version of the story. Back in the movie, driven by rage, Achilles challenges Hector to a one-on-one fight. Hector accepts the challenge by walking out of the gates of Troy and going to battle. Unfortunately for the Trojans, they watch on helplessly as Achilles overpowers Hector, killing their heroic warrior. After he does, Achilles ties Hector's body to his chariot and drags it in front of the shocked Trojans watching from the walls. While it is true that Hector faced Achilles, he wasn't quite as heroic about it as the movie shows. In fact, when Hector first saw Achilles, he was so afraid that Hector ran around the city of Troy three times while Achilles was chasing him until Hector finally turned around to fight the Greek warrior. The end result that we saw in the movie was the same as Homer's version of the tale. Achilles got the better of Hector and killed him. After he died, Achilles dragged Hector's body behind his chariot Then he took his body back to the Greek camp where he continued to take out his frustrations on the fallen enemy for the next 12 days. The next part we see in the movie happened too. By that, I'm referring to when Hector's father, Priam, visits Achilles to request his son's body. Priam is played by Peter O'Toole in the movie. If that name sounds familiar, Peter O'Toole was a Hollywood legend who skyrocketed to fame when he played the lead role in another movie that we've covered here on the podcast, Lawrence of Arabia. While the specifics of Priam's visit with Achilles were different than what we see in the movie, the basic idea that Achilles granted Priam's request was true. He also said that he would honor a 12-day peace between the Greeks and Trojans while they gave Hector a proper funeral. Oh, and as a quick side note, in the movie, Priam mentioned Achilles' father, Peleus, as if he was already dead, but in fact, Peleus was alive. Back in the movie, it's during that peacetime that Agamemnon decides to strike. Sean Bean's character, Odysseus, has the idea to build a great wooden horse. They'll trick the Trojans to believing they've left the beaches and taking the horse back inside their walls. Then... The men inside will sneak out and let the rest of the Greek army inside. As a side note, if you've heard of the term Trojan horse these days, it's probably in reference to a computer virus. That's because a Trojan horse computer virus works in a similar way to the Trojan horse in legend. It enters your computer through a seemingly harmless way, and then once inside, it becomes malicious and spreads the virus. Although, some historians think that Perhaps there was no Trojan horse that was a literal horse made out of wood, but rather it was some sort of a siege weapon. However, if we're going by the ancient historians and authors like Homer, then the basic idea of the horse with Greek soldiers inside was pretty accurate. 
There were varying numbers depending on the source about the number of soldiers inside the horse. Some say that number was in the 20s, others say as high as 50. Most historians today would probably tell you the number was in the 40s. One huge difference, though, relates with something we've already mentioned. If you remember, the Trojan War lasted 10 years, not just days like the movie shows. And by the time they used the Trojan horse, that was, like the movie shows, what brought an end to the war. So it would be after 10 years of war. And not everyone survived those 10 years. The most notable person that we saw in the movie that was not alive by the time the Trojan horse was used would be Achilles. That's because in nearly every version of the legend, Achilles was already dead by then. Let's head back to the movie, though, because as the on-screen version of the story comes to a close, we see the fate of Achilles. But not before we see the fate of Agamemnon. He finds Briseis, and as he's holding her by her throat, she sneaks a knife and stabs Agamemnon in the neck. Then the movie cuts to Paris and Andromache. That's Hector's wife. She's played by Saffron Burroughs in the movie. The two lead other Trojans to safety through a tunnel that Hector told her about. After this is when we see Paris kill Achilles by piercing an arrow through his heel as Achilles and the other Greeks are destroying Troy. When it comes to the death of Agamemnon, he did die at the end of the Trojan War, but not at the hand of Briseis like we see in the movie. If you remember earlier in this episode, we learned that Agamemnon was married to Clytemnestra. We also learned earlier that she was the one responsible for Agamemnon's death. Some versions of the story say that she killed him herself when he returned after the Trojan War. Others suggest that her lover killed him. In either case, his demise was certain. It just was not at the hand of Briseis like we see in the movie. As for how Achilles died, we've had to do this throughout many plot points in this episode, but I'll say it again, it's impossible to say what's true about this or not because there are different versions of the story. Some versions of the story suggest perhaps Achilles was killed by a poisoned arrow as he was trying to scale the walls of Troy. Still other versions suggest that Achilles married a Trojan princess. Upset that Achilles would be marrying a Trojan, Paris hid in the bushes and killed him with an arrow. As a little side note, another difference in the movie is when we see Briseis as the Trojan woman that Achilles fell in love with. She wasn't even from Troy. She was actually from Lornessos. She was not a priestess like we see in the movie either, and she wasn't even related to Hector or Paris. In the legend, the Trojan woman Achilles fell in love with was named Polyxena. However, in all the different versions of this tale, one common denominator was that Achilles died before the Trojan horse was a thing. On the other side of that, if you remember, we learned that even though the movie showed Menelaus dying early in the war, that did not happen. In fact, he was one of the soldiers inside the Trojan horse at the end of the war and participated in the sack of Troy. Oh, and even though we also see Andromache holding hers and Hector's baby boy as they make their escape, in the historical version of this tale, 
they didn't make it out of the city. That leads us to an overall statement that I feel is worth mentioning. The movie is pretty brutally violent, but the stories from the Iliad were so much more violent than what we see in the movie. For example, in this case, the Iliad's version of this tale tells of Andromache being captured and enslaved by the Greeks, while Odysseus bashed in her baby son's head and threw him off the walls of Troy. This episode of Based on a True Story was written and produced by me, Dan Lefebvre. There's so much more to the legend of Troy. If you're looking for a place to start as you dive deeper into this story of Greek mythology, there's actually two places that I would recommend. And which one you start with really depends on how dedicated you are to the story. The first bit of reading that I would recommend is Homer's Iliad. That's the original work from the 8th or 9th century BCE that inspired the movie. I'll give you a bit of warning though. The Iliad is not for the faint of heart. It's very bloody, filled with gore and violence, and, well, it's also broken up into 24 different books, so it's quite long. But even with that said, it is a fascinating piece of history to read. You can find translated copies of it online for free, and of course, I'll include a link to that over on the show's home on the web, based on a true story podcast.com. That brings us to my other recommendation to start your dive into history. Of course, you can read this in addition to the Iliad, but if you're looking for a more recent book that covers the true story of Troy, or at least as much as we know of it, go check out the book by author Caroline Alexander called The War That Killed Achilles, The True Story of Homer's Iliad and the Trojan War. I've got a link to that and plenty more resources in the post for this episode over on the show's home on the web too, based on a true story podcast.com. Okay, now it's time for the answer to our two truths and a lie game from the beginning of the episode. As a refresher, here are the two truths and one lie. Number one, the Trojan horse was Achilles' idea. Number two, Helen of Troy was from Sparta before going to Troy with Paris. Number three, the great Trojan warrior named Hector was killed by Achilles. Did you find out which one is a lie? Let's start with number three. That is true. As we learned, Achilles killed Hector, but not before having to chase Hector down as he ran around the city of Troy three times. And although I didn't mention it during the episode, the legend of Achilles dragging Hector's body behind the chariot after killing him was quite a bit more gruesome than the movie shows too. By that, I mean that the tale says Achilles slit Hector's heels and threaded the rope through their holes and used that to drag his body. That brings us to number two. That is also true. As we learned, there are a number of different versions of the story, but the movie gets the basic idea of Paris falling in love with Helen and bringing her back to Troy after visiting Sparta, correct. She was married to the Spartan king, Menelaus, and that was what triggered the war. Or at least one of the things that triggered the war. Possibly. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to call that one true. That brings us to number one, and that is the lie. As we learned, the Trojan War was a 10-year affair that was one of the bloodiest conflicts at that time. 
Some estimates say around 25,000 people were killed, which, if you recall earlier, we learned that some archaeologists at the dig for the site of Troy estimate the city had a population between 5 to 10,000 people, and that kind of gives you an idea of how many people might have died on both sides of the war. If Troy had 10,000 people and everybody died, then we're talking 15,000 roughly on the other side. But of course, all of that assumes that any of this actually happened. There's always the possibility that these legends and tales were, well, just that. Legends and tales and nothing more. That brings us to an end of this episode. If you're listening to this, thank you so much. You're one of the super fans of this show to make it this far, and I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your take on the tale of Troy. Do you believe that any of this actually happened? Or are there other versions of this story that you'd like to add to the narrative? You can find me on social in the Based on a True Story Facebook group, and that's the best place to share your other versions and start to interact with the community over there. Or you can reach out to me directly on Twitter where I'm at Dan Lefeb, D-A-N-L-E-F-E-B. Or if you prefer not to contact through social media, you can shoot me a good old-fashioned email at dan at basedonatruestorypodcast.com. Don't forget, you can request a future episode over at basedonatruestorypodcast.com as well. Oh, and if you enjoyed this week's episode, I hope you'll consider helping me pay for the future episodes over at basedonatruestorypodcast.com slash support. Speaking of future episodes, if you are a producer of the show, then I'll chat with you again next week over on the producer's feed where we will take a look at clear and present danger. Until next time, thanks so much for listening. And I'll chat with you again really soon.